Our second reading <coughs> this morning is from the Acts of the Apostles. It's printed in your bulletin insert should you want to follow along. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. O God of Holy Spirit, send your spirit upon both the reading and hearing of these words that we might be attentive to your word for us this day. And I pray that my words might be as a window with the blinds open, that your spirit might touch us in ways that we need. We make this prayer in the name of the one who is the Christ. Amen. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributed and resting on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout women and men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of this, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one heard them speaking in their own language. And they were amazed and wondered, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Emilites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judah and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own languages the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. I have been waiting for you since the beginning of time. These were the words that I heard when the massive doors leading into the nave at the Basilica of Mary Magdalene in Vézelay, France, opened before us. It was May of 2002 while I was leading my first pilgrimage. We were in the hilltop village of Vézelay in the Burgundy region of France. There we met Brother John Patrick of the community of Jerusalem, the community that cares for this ancient basilica dedicated to Mary Magdalene. The basilica is the largest Romanesque church in all of France and one of the oldest. The mere size of this building is shocking in comparison to the small village surrounding it, but this is a pilgrimage church where for centuries pilgrims would begin their path on the Camino to Santiago de Compostela. Standing in the narthex, also called the Court of the Pilgrims, over 4,000 square feet, large enough to hold over 20,000 people. John Patrick invited us to imagine, just for a moment, to imagine what it might have been like for a pilgrim in the Middle Ages, standing shoulder to shoulder, pressed against these massive doors leading into the cathedral. As we did this, he asked us to get as close to the door, so literally my nose was touching the door. 
he went around and slowly began to tug wide open the main doors. As it slowly opened, I witnessed the long center aisle leading up to the chancel or the sanctuary filled with natural light, and I heard so clearly a voice that said, I have been waiting for you since the beginning of time. This memory is as clear today as it was 17 years ago. My breath was literally taken away. This, for me, was an encounter with the very Spirit of God, in a way never before, nor since, I might add, experienced. Spirit. Today is about spirit. Pentecost, the ancient festival, celebrated the first harvest when Jewish women and men were gathered in Jerusalem bringing the first fruits of creation to God. The disciples were there, as any good Jew would be. Because if you were able to make it to Jerusalem for this festival, you did. That day, millions of days ago, something remarkable happened that set in motion a whole new way of being in the world. For that day, that Pentecost, the church was birthed. Today, we celebrate Pentecost as well. The nativity of that first Pentecost, when the promise that we would never be alone was fulfilled. Jesus had told his disciples to wait, to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what that meant, and honestly, neither do we. He didn't give them a lot of clues of how to wait or what they were waiting for. He doesn't give us a lot of clues either, and yet we have some hints. For we know the Spirit when we encounter her. What actually happened in Jerusalem that morning, we'll never really know. But we do know the spirit, the disciples had an experience, a power of spirit that animated their very beings in such a way that they had never before experienced. That's what happened for me when those doors opened and I heard that phrase. When have you been so animated by spirit? When have you encountered God? And where was it? When has your life shifted in ways that you'd never before experienced. What went on that first Pentecost? For the first time, people actually heard the word of God. For the first time, people actually discovered that they belonged. For the first time, people actually really experienced spirit. When was the first time you heard the word of God, however you interpret that? Those in Jerusalem heard in their own native tongue. They heard they were loved. They heard they belonged. They heard and experienced a power that was new. Hearing, belonging, experiencing spirit. This is a miracle in and of itself. But the miracle of that first Pentecost and each subsequent Pentecost and each day of our lives really is much more than simply a personal experience Though it's critically important, that's where it begins. The hearing, the belonging, the experiencing. But the moreness of Pentecost, if you will, is what happened because of the hearing, the experiencing, and the belonging. For the Spirit 
broke and continues to break down barriers of language. The spirit broke and continues to break down barriers of clan and class and gender. The spirit spoke and continues to break down barriers of race and age and elitism. Yes, all of these barriers still exist in our day, but then they were accepted as norms. And ever since that first Pentecost, there have been and continue to be voices that say there is another way. And the Spirit of God is all about telling us that there is another way, a third way, a different way of being in the world, of being in relationships with one another, of being in relationship with ourselves. You see, the Spirit changes who we are, how we think, and what actions we take. There's an old adage that comes out of Gnostic writing in the Hermetic Corpus that says, as within, so without, as above, so below. From a Christian perspective, this asks us how we live from our souls. It speaks to how we live in the world and in relationship with one another. Is our truth from above, referring to God, or from below, referring to us? As within, so without. As above, so below. The Spirit promised by Jesus changes us. How we think, the actions we take. The Spirit promised by Jesus is always, always about bringing us together binding us together as people of God, never about tearing us apart. It was the spirit that gave Martin Luther King Jr. the power to preach the gospel of racial justice in a time when the establishment didn't want to hear it, and it still doesn't. It was the spirit that empowered those caught in the grip of South Africa's apartheid to march for freedom and equality It is that same spirit working through the Black Lives Matter and the Me Too movement and so many other movements. You see, the spirit that Jesus promised was given for a reason. The spirit is communal. It's not just about you or me. You see, the spirit is about transformation, not stagnation. It's about people, not institutions. It's about freedom, not rules. It's about mission moving forward, not one wandering aimlessly. It's about serving others above serving self. For one thing that I know about spirit, and it is so true, is that she makes us uncomfortable. And spirit in Greek is always feminine. That aspect of the Trinity that nurtures, that confronts, that challenges us. The spirit is always a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, a Parthian or an Egyptian, as our text said. It doesn't matter if you're from Rome or Cyrene or Pakistan or Syria or North Korea or Honduras or the USA. It doesn't matter the level of your education or the color of your skin. It doesn't matter if you're straight or gay or single or married or female or male or fluid or questioning. What matters? What matters is how you, I, each of us as individuals and a community respond to Jesus 
received the Holy Spirit. It wasn't an invitation. It was a mandate. Receive the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, if you feel like it today, here's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, here's the Holy Spirit. So friends, we have it. We have it. We can't get rid of it. We have to use it, though. Think of your own life. When have you been so empowered by the Holy Spirit, even though you may not have identified it as the Spirit at the time, that you made a decision or a choice where you took a stand or you made an action all because of faith, all because of knowing this one who said, you will never be alone. We're to be on mission and the Spirit unsettles us and moves us about changing the world. And how do we do that? By voting. How do we do that? By being aware of how we spend our money, the products we buy, and the companies which make them. Where are their economic policies? What are they regarding workers and the environment and politics? Recently, I'm not going to mention which one, I found out that a vendor that I've been going to for years, it was one of my favorites, gave money to a political pact that I did not believe in. I wrote the CEO and told that, that person that I will never enter that establishment again. Because our money says what we value. How do we go about changing the world? If we invest, where do our investors invest? Are we uninformed, thereby unknowingly supporting political oppression and unfair labor practices toward women, people of color, and children? The Spirit demands, demands that we be concerned about the world community and the world, for the Spirit is sent for the common good. Years ago now, I attended an AIDS Emergency Fund annual awards dinner downtown, and I remember Wally Sherwood, one of the honorees. Wally was a longtime volunteer with the fund. He was a little person, a dwarf, with many congenital challenges. In his acceptance remarks, he said, we have, a, we have far too many people building walls. I want to be remembered as a person who is busy building bridges. My motto is, the more we are different, the more we should be treated alike. Reminds me of this amazing quote by the Dalai Lama who said, religion is like going out to dinner with your friends, everyone ordering something different, but everyone can still sit at the same table together. This is Pentecost. Building bridges, speaking spirit, all of us ordering something different, and yet sitting at one table. This is the gift the church, at its core, at its best, can offer the world. The truth of Pentecost is that our identity isn't found in our conformity, which we say here every Sunday. The truth of Pentecost is that our identity is not found in the cultural, racial, or ethnic backgrounds. It doesn't matter where we're from, Mexico or Mesopotamia. The truth of Pentecost isn't found in what we do, how much we make. It isn't found in whom we love or whom loves us. The truth of Pentecost is, as Wally said, the more we are different, the more we should be treated alike. The truth of Pentecost is, I've been waiting for you 
since the beginning of time. Amen. And so be it.